Amen. Amen. Well, we've been in the middle of looking at a series, and today actually is the last Sunday in that series, uh, being faithful for His glory. Uh, the whole year is for His glory, if you hadn't heard that already, that we're seeking to be a people of God that in all that we do is all for His glory. But this first four weeks or so, we have talked about how we're to be faithful in certain aspects of our lives, and really in every aspect of life, but we picked four different things that I think that really does summarize all of our lives. And we talked about, first off, our time. We're to be faithful with the time that God's given us for His glory, the tools, meaning the spiritual gifts that God has given us for His glory, as well as the treasure. Last week, we talked about the giving uh, our giving, uh, the treasure, the finances, we think about more specifically. And all of our finances are, are to be for His glory as well. And today, we look at being faithful for His glory with our testimony. With our testimony. But today, today, I don't know if you realize this or not. You, this may be completely news to you, but today is Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, yeah. I, don't know if you, I don't know if you heard that or knew that or not, but that, that's what's happening today. And, th- and all throughout this day, probably even right now, they're gearing up on the TV stations, what have you. And you're going to hear, uh, and we're going to hear many stories uh, about the players on both teams. A lot of different stories about, you know, where they're from, you know, where they played, their statistics, how many times they've been at the Super Bowl. There even be some, which I've seen some stories already, uh, of these guys who have a strong faith in Jesus Christ. And we praise God uh, for those testimonies. Amen. And so we're going to hear a lot of these stories throughout the day, but all kinds of different stories uh, about these guys and their, su- and their Super Bowl, how they got there. But, you know, as I thought about that today, I thought about that this week, thinking about their story, in reality, each of us has a story as well. All of us here have a story. Now, granted, is, when you think about our story, there are no cameras in front of us, no lights, no media. But here's the thing, all of us, are on display. All of us are on display. People watch us all the time, and we have a story that we're to tell. Now, no, it's not concerning a Super Bowl, but rather how we've been made whole. That's the story that we have that we need to tell. Now, the question then is, as we have this story, this thing called a testimony, is that are we being faithful with the testimony that we have? That's what God has called us to do and to be. And we're going to look at a familiar passage of Scripture in John chapter 9, a passage that you will find very familiar as we read it today. We're reading all of that chapter. I'm just going to touch it as we move along and how we see the man born blind who receives his sight and the testimony that he had as well. So in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand. Uh, we're going to read, I'm going to read for you John chapter 9. The Bible says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for the night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world." And when he'd said these things, he spat on the ground, and he made clay with, his, with the saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went and washed, and he came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? And some said, Well, yeah, that's, this is he. Others said, Oh, he's like him. And he said, I'm he. 
Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. And then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. And they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, well, this man's not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. And others said, well, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. And they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Well, his parents answered them and said, Well, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had all agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He's of age. Ask him. And so they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know this man's a sinner. And he answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, Well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered and said, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. The man answered and said to him, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he's from. Yet he's opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, and, but if anyone's a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it's, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and you're teaching us. And they cast him out. But Jesus heard that they'd cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, and therefore your sin remains. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And Lord, we need you today. We need you to speak through, to pierce through the darkness as you are the one who gives sight to the blind and light to those in darkness. We need you to enlighten us with the word of God today to speak to our hearts. Lord, that your word would not return unto you void, but that it would have the power as you have manifested it to be, that Lord, you would work in a powerful way through the Holy Spirit working in all of our hearts and lives. Lord, that we would be faithful with our testimony. God, I pray that you'd work in our hearts. May you use me as your instrument even now. Now, Lord, I need you. I cannot do this apart from you. And Lord, I can, these are just words unless the Spirit moves. So Lord, I pray that you would have the freedom to move in every heart and every life. And Lord, may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. 
Well, you see the outline in your bullet today as we look at this idea of being faithful with our testimony. And the first thing that we want to see here as you look there in that bulletin, as you fill in the line here, is the first thing we see is the source of the testimony. We know as we read this story that there's quite the story that has unfolded here, right? There's something, this great thing that has taken place, this miracle that has happened. And so it has happened in the life of a man who was born blind. But now what we find here is that there's a source to the testimony. And we find what that source or who that source is in verses 5 through 7 where Jesus says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he'd said these things, Jesus spat on the ground made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so the man went, and he washed, and he came back seeing. So what we find here is that Jesus is about to perform a miracle on this man who was born blind. This man is going to be changed. And what's going to be the cause? What's the source of the change that takes place? It's not a what, it's a who. The who is Jesus. It is Jesus who is the source of the testimony. Because as he said in verse 5, he is the light of the world. You see, John's gospel, as John writes all of the gospel, he writes the gospel to prove and to show the deity of Christ. That Jesus is indeed who he says he was and who he is. And that is that he is God. He is the son of God. And so what Jesus has done, what John rather has done in, in, this, uh, in the book of John is he's used certain situations to explain who Jesus is leading up to this particular situation. Just a couple of those to point out to what I'm talking about here. When, when Jesus was at Jacob's well, he met the Samaritan woman and asked the water to be drawn. And as the water was being drawn, Jesus carried on a conversation with her and explained himself to be the living water. Not only that, but we also find that the feeding of the 5,000 in chapter 6 of John, we find that Jesus, as he feeds the 5,000, shows that he is the bread of life. And now he comes to one who has been born blind. And he's about to give him sight. And as he's about to give him sight, we find that he says in verse 5 that I am the light of the world. And he is the light of the world to the one who is blind, sitting in darkness. You see, this is who Jesus is. He is God who is able to do these things because of who he is. He is the son of God. And so he would, as he would heal the blind man, as he heals the blind man, what he's doing is he's affirming himself as the Messiah. You see, the Old Testament had predicted the Messiah would come to heal the blind. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 29, verse 18, it says, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind Shall see. So it's very clear that the Messiah, Jesus, has proven himself to be the Messiah. So, what or who is the source of the testimony of the blind man? Well, he is the Messiah. He is God. He is the one who made the clay. He's the one who made the man. He is the creator. He is Jesus. And, beloved, he is also the source of our testimony as well. Amen. A miracle was about to take place in this man's life. But it wouldn't be because he's a nice beggar or from a certain family or because of any other reason. But a miracle would take place because Jesus was about to do something. You see, the source of the testimony was the Messiah, not the method. In verse 6 and 7, it tells us that Jesus had a unique method here. It's actually even 
uh, a little, uh, hmm, I would say gross, <laughs> in that he spat in the ground and made clay with the saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And then he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is called, which translated sent. And so he went, he washed, and he came back seeing. But why? You know, you can just sort of picture Jesus doing this, making the clay out of his spit, and then putting it on the man's eyes and telling him to go and to wash in the pool of Siloam. So why did Jesus do it this way? Couldn't Jesus have just spoken? And it had happened. I mean, this is the same Jesus who spoke when the winds and the waves are... are, are uh, whipping around the ship and he's able to speak and it stops. Couldn't he have just spoken and his eyes have been opened? Absolutely he could have. But he used different methods of healing. Why? Because he didn't want people to miss the fact that he was the Messiah by focusing on the various methods that were being used. It wasn't the clay and it wasn't the water at the pool that performed the miracle Rather, it was Jesus. Jesus is the source of our testimony. It's not anything about us at all. It's no method that was brought before us. It was how Jesus has changed our lives. God may have used a revival. He may have used a layman coming to your house. He may have used your mama at your bedside tonight. Whatever the method that was used where you came to know Christ as Savior, it had nothing to do with the method but everything to do with Jesus. He is the source of our testimony. So, beloved, if you are a born-again believer, a disciple of Christ, right with holy God, it's because Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Blessed Redeemer, the Son of God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the Bright and the Morning Star, the Lion of Judah, and the Lamb that was slain, it's because this Jesus has touched your life and he has changed you by his grace and for his glory. Jesus is the source of our testimony. It's not what you have done, but rather it's what he has done in you. So we see the source of the testimony here, that it's Jesus, the Messiah. But also we see this about this, this uh, story, to be faithful with the story, is the story of the testimony. The story of the testimony. In verses 8 through 11, we read these words. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? And some said, Well, this is he. But others said, He's like him. He said, Well, I'm he. Therefore, they said to him, How were your eyes open? He answered, said, A man called Jesus, made clay, anointed my eyes, said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam, wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. You see, once the man was changed by Jesus, what do we find him doing now? We find him telling others about the miracle that has happened in his life. Can't you imagine that you would do the very same thing? You've been born blind, you've lived all your life, and you've never seen a thing, but now something miraculous has taken place in your life, and Jesus has touched you, he's changed you, and so what are you going to do? Go about your merry way and forget that you ever met this man named Jesus. No. You're going to tell people about what Jesus has done. He has a testimony. And he is telling others about what has happened. Notice, I want you to notice this, is that he wastes no time telling others what's happened to him. And you know what else? He doesn't wait to take classes on how to tell others what's happened to him. Isn't that something? You know, he hasn't had to read a book about how to tell other people what Jesus has done for him. He doesn't wait for somebody to lay hands on him and to ordain him. No. 
He just simply tells people what Jesus has done for him because he has a story to tell. Amen? He is simply telling people what has happened in his life. Now, understand, it's okay to take classes and and to read books and to get better at what we do. But let me tell you what. We need to share the story that Jesus has done something in our lives. Amen? Notice what he's saying in verse 11. A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam, wash. And so I went and washed and I received sight. He tells them what Jesus has done. This is what Jesus did in my life. Then you turn over to verses 24 and 25. Again, the Pharisees called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Man, I love that verse. Amen? I love that. Why do I love that? So Because that's my story. And that's your story. Amen? We may not understand everything about Jesus. And indeed, this man didn't understand everything about Jesus. But he knew one thing. He just knew one thing. He knew the main thing. And that is that I was blind, but now I see. Oh, beloved, what a testimony. Amen. What a testimony. The story of his testimony. What a testimony. And listen, that's his story, and that is our story. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost but now I'm found. I was broken, but now I'm healed. I was in bondage, but now I am free. I was in chains, but now I am delivered. I was enslaved, but now I've been rescued. I was hopeless, but now I'm helped. I was empty, but now I'm full. I was in need, but now I'm satisfied. I was a wanderer, but now I'm on the right path. I was defeated, but now I'm victorious. I was once dead, but now I am alive because of Jesus. That's our story, beloved. And we may not understand it all. We may not know all of the right answers. But this thing we know about our testimony is that I met a man named Jesus. And I am no longer the same. Amen? I met a man named Jesus and I am no longer the same. He has changed me. Beloved, you may not know all there is to know, but you certainly as a believer have a story to tell. And here's the thing. And the more, listen, the more you walk with him, the more you will know him and understand who he is. That's how we get to know him more. We find that here in this scripture that there is a progression in this man's story. As he finally comes to know Jesus more clearly at the end of our chapter, he knows exactly who he is. The more we walk with Jesus, the more we will understand who he is and know who he is. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3.18 that we are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. You see, friends, we, we can't... We can't just come to church once a week and expect to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We can't just do that and let there be all there is. We have to have a relationship with Jesus. We're walking with him and talking with him and spending time with him daily 
to get to know him and learn more about him. That's what we're called to do, to grow in that grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we see here the source of the testimony, and we see the story of the testimony, and then thirdly, we see the sincerity of the testimony. Now, what we've seen is that the blind man is now a changed man. Would you agree with that? There's something completely different about him now. Now he sees. He once was blind, and now he sees. But not only is he changed in the way that he has physical sight, but also we find in this passage that he is changed also with spiritual sight. So he's changed in more than one way. But did you notice something interesting here in this passage as we're reading this along? Did you notice that his own neighbors, that some of his own neighbors didn't even recognize him? Do you notice that in verses 8 and 9? Where the neighbors, therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, so he, he's been around these people all of his life begging for, for food, begging for, for alms. And, and they said, is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, this is he, but watch. Others said, well, he's like him. That's not him. This is, this is, he just looks like him. That's not him. But then he says, oh yeah, it's me. That, that's who I am. Look, this is who I am. This is me. This is what's really taking place in my life. Why in the world did they not? The people saw him every day sitting in the same place. Why did they not recognize him? There's his neighbors. I'll tell you why. Because he was now a changed man. He was a changed man. Think of, think of the change that took place in the man. At first, he was an outcast who was downcast. He was left to the side of the road begging for his livelihood. People showing him no pity had a sad countenance, no li- most likely. But now what do we find in the man? Well, he's upright and he's walking, walking without assistance. There's no need for help here. He has hope. He has gone from being hopeless to now having all hope. He has a smile on his face, no doubt. He's excited. He's filled with joy. And even though they are his neighbors, they do not know him. But it is indeed him. Because he has been changed by Jesus. They didn't recognize him. Friends, listen. When we are changed by Jesus, we are no longer the same. And we are different. And our old life is gone forever. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Watch this. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become New, and, it's, and then also in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 24. The Bible tells us, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfishness, selfish ambitions, decisions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. You see, friends, when we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the old is gone and the new has come. 
We're no longer the same. It's the sincerity of our testimony that we are not the same people that we were. Some would say, well, my t- I don't really have a testimony, Pastor, because I grew up in a Christian home and I was a good boy all my life. Well, praise God. Amen. That's a great testimony that you have here. I think I would say the same thing. I grew up, even though I was a, my parents were divorced, my mama raised me to be in church, and I was a good boy. My, some of my aunts may not agree with that, but I think, <laughs> I, I think it was true. So I think I was a pretty good kid, but let me tell you something. When Jesus got a hold of my heart and changed me and saved me, I knew that I, if I would die, I'd go to heaven. I knew that my life was now changed. That I now belong to the king. That he was now my father. That I had hope. That I was saved. And I need not worry or fear. So you may have been a good kid growing up. But let me tell you something. When Jesus gets a hold of our life, there is a change that takes place. Amen. There is a change. And for those of us who... There are others maybe that it isn't quite that easy. There are things that they've done in life, and they've, but God has, has redeemed them from those things and broken the bonds and freed them from chains and freed them from addictions, and the Lord has done those things as well. Praise God for that testimony that Jesus has done this in your life. As we think about the sincerity of the testimony, do we, are we living this out? Or is the fruit of the Spirit truly evident in our lives as believers? Are we really changed? When people see us, is there a change that has taken place in us? The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Are we loving or are we loving the Lord or are we just lazy in our faith? Are we loving or are we just doing what we want to do? Loving ourselves instead. Are we joyful or really are we not? Are we, do we have peace or do we cause problems? Are we kind or we just kill the atmosphere when we walk into a room? Are we good? Do we have the goodness of God? Or do we, are we, people see us and they're glad when we're gone? Are we faithful or are we just fooling around? You see, there's a sincerity to our testimony. When we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we will live it out. It will not be just words, but there are actions that follow that in our lives as the Spirit is within us. We see the sincerity of the testimony and that these aren't just words, but that our life reveals that we belong to Jesus. I can think of my ministry as in the past years, seeing people who've come to know Christ. I can think of one teenage young lady who was as mean as a snake and angry every time you talk with her with the the eyebrows furred down. Just, you, she, you just didn't really want to have a conversation with her. And then one day she met a man named Jesus. And her life was radically changed. So that now she smiles and she's on, in love with the Lord. And she's on cloud nine serving him with her life. The radical change that takes place in a person's life. The sincerity of the testimony. I think about the man who had no hope. Who lost his wife. Who was looking for hope in the wrong places. And then he met a man named Jesus and found that now he has all hope. He's not worried about where he's going to spend eternity because he met this man named Jesus. I think about the lady who grew up in a Christian home, who knew, found out and heard the story about Jesus and realized that she needed to invite him to be the Lord and Savior of her life. It's not through the, going to church, not through the traditions, but rather it was having a personal relationship with Jesus. And when she asked the Lord Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of her life, she said, when I walked outside, the whole world looked different. 
She said the, the flowers were in fresh bloom. The sun was bright and shiny. I'd never seen things like this before. But what happened was that she met a man named Jesus. Amen? And then we see these lives that are being lived out. It's the sincerity of the testimony. Beloved, how about us? We may say that we have a story to tell, but are we living it out? Do we have the sincerity of the testimony? Being faithful with your testimony is not only telling about what Jesus has done for you. Listen, being faithful with your testimony is not only about telling about what Jesus has done for you, but, beloved, it is also letting the people around you see Jesus in you. Amen? Letting people see Jesus in you. A man or a woman who has been changed by the saving power of Jesus Christ, listen, will look like and live like they have been changed by a man named Jesus. Proverbs 27, 19 says that as in water face reflects face, so the heart of man, man's heart reveals the man. Amen? The heart reveals who you are. The heart, if you have a heart that's been changed by Jesus, then your life will reveal that to the world around you. Once we've been changed, we are to live it out. We are to be different. People who have hope, that are filled with his spirit, who tell others about it. The sincerity of our testimony. Will Rogers once said this. He said, so live that you wouldn't be ashamed to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. Amen. So live your life that you would not be ashamed to sell the family parrot to the town gossip. And I've also heard it said, live in such a way that the preacher doesn't need to lie at your funeral. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Hey, that's true, right? Live it out. Amen. Live it out. Live out this life of being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Don't just be all words, but live it out. Our actions speak about who we are. It reveals the heart, the sincerity of the testimony. Then fourthly, we see the struggle of the testimony. The struggle of the testimony. What's the struggle? What do you see here? What's missing in this story? You see something missing in this story? Well, absolutely, there's something missing. There is no celebration going on here. There's no celebration. Where is all the celebrating for this man receiving his sight? You know he's rejoicing, but he's alone in this. And, beloved, that goes to show us that our lost friends will not rejoice when we have been changed by Jesus and often will even condemn the change. In verses 13 through 16, we find these words. They brought him, the blind man, who formerly was blind, to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath when, they, when Jesus made the clay, opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees asked him again how he had received his sight. He said, he put clay on my eyes, I washed and I see. Then some of the Pharisees said, well, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. And while others said, well, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So there's, they're back and forth. There's no real celebration, brother. They bring, bring this blind man to the Pharisees. It was sort of like a circuit court in the day to sort of figure out what exactly is going on. But there is no celebration. Also, we see it in his families, his parent as well. Sometimes our families will not even rejoice when we've been changed by Jesus. In verses 20 through 23, his parents answered the Pharisees and said, We know that this is our son, that he is born blind. But by what means we he now sees, we don't know. Who opened his eyes, we don't know. He's of age. Well, you ask him. He'll speak for himself. And his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, then he'd be put out of the synagogue. And therefore his parents said, he's of age, ask him. Now I don't know about you, but if I'd had a child that was born blind and all of a sudden they could see, 
I suspect I'd tell him exactly what I thought. Amen? Let me tell you what happened to him. He tells me that Jesus, a man named Jesus, got a hold of him, touched him. His life's now changed. This is my boy. I'm not ashamed of him. Amen? But that's not what we see here. No, this family is afraid of the Jews because they're afraid they were going to be kicked out of the synagogue. And that was important in that day because to be excommunicated from the synagogue meant that the whole community would shun you. You may lose all your funds. You may lose all your business. You may lose all your friends. And so what happened is they feared man more than they feared God. There was no celebration. But think about all that this man went through. He started out his day as a blind beggar who was an outcast. He became a celebrity who had a miracle performed in his life. Then was a witness in a court-type setting with the Pharisees where he was treated like a criminal. Finally, being outcast again, excommunicated and ostracized by the community from the synagogue simply for telling the truth as he clearly saw it. And beloved, as believers, sometimes we will face some of the very same struggles when we share our testimony or when we live it out. But we are to be faithful with our testimony for his glory. Because ultimately, not everyone is going to be happy about what has happened in our lives. You know, even Jesus told us that, didn't he? Jesus said in Matthew 5.11, he says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And the apostle Paul even wrote about it in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 15 and 16, where he says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Watch this. To one we are fragrance from death to death, and to the other a fragrance from life to to life. To some, we are fragrance, the aroma of death. To others, the aroma of life. Not everyone is going to be pleased. Not everyone's going to be pleased that we have turned our hearts to Jesus and that a man named Jesus has changed our lives. It can be a struggle, but we are to be faithful for his glory with our testimony, even in the struggles of life. And then we find, fifthly, That which follows the struggle is the strength of the testimony. Jesus heard what had happened to the blind man. And what do we find Jesus doing but that he comes to him? Look at this in verse 35 and following. Jesus heard that they cast him out. And when he had found him, that's an indicator that he searched him out. He went to where he was. When he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? You see, he had not seen Jesus. He had only heard his voice. Because Jesus put the clay on his eyes and sent him to the pool of Siloam, where there he began to see. He had not seen Jesus. And and so he says, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And he said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus came to the man in his struggle. He's been excommunicated. He's been ostracized. He's been kicked out of the synagogue, which means that now that which he thought he now had that he had not had all of his life of being able to be a part of the community and not be ostracized. Now he's back at it again. They've thrown him out of the synagogue. Now they're going to ostracize him again. But Jesus comes to him in the midst of his struggle. Oh, 
What a Savior. Oh, what a Savior who comes to us in the midst of our struggles as we're being faithful to proclaim the gospel of who Jesus is. He walks with us through every valley. He speaks to us. He comforts us. He guides us. He guards us. He helps us. He lets us know that he is there. He is with us in the struggle. Oh, what a Savior. Even though this man had been thrown out of the synagogue, now that did not matter. Because here's all that mattered. Jesus, the Son of God, had changed him. And he was not only healed of his blindness, but now he was a follower of Christ. And he worships him. Oh, what a Savior, friends, like Jesus who comes to us, who has compassion on us and helps us in the midst of the struggles of being a follower of him. Jesus said in John 16, 33, He said, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And in Matthew 28, the latter part of verse 20, just after Jesus has given the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he says, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. Then he says, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm sending you out, and it's not going to be easy. There are going to be struggles as you try to tell people your testimony. And even as you live that out in front of the world around you, maybe it's in your family or maybe it's your workplace or where you go to school or in the marketplace, but as you live that out, live out the life of being a faithful follower of Jesus, and you begin to tell people about Jesus as well, it's not always going to be easy. But here's the promise of Jesus. I am with you always. I will not depart from you. I will not leave you. I will be there for you and I will give you what you need to say what needs to be said. Praise God. Amen. That's the strength of the testimony. But you know what? There's something else here that gives us strength. And we sort of see it here in this picture of the blind man and his his life here. The blind man knew about Jesus. He had trusted Jesus. He had been changed by Jesus But he had not seen Jesus. And then when Jesus revealed himself to him, the man then falls down and worships him. Beloved, listen, that is also our story, isn't it? We've been changed by a man named Jesus. We worship a man named Jesus. But we have not seen him face to face. But there is coming a day. When we will see him face to face and we will fall down before him and we will worship him. And the thought of that day gives me strength. Amen. No matter what the world says, no matter what the world does, I know that Jesus is the king and the Lord of lords. And he is the master. He is the redeemer. And he is worthy of all praise. And one day I will praise him face to face. And I'll worship him in all of his glory. That is gives us strength. That gives us strength, knowing that with deep abiding love for him and gratitude for what he's done, we will fall at his feet and worship him. All right, so now what's the to, to do? What's the application that we need to bring, bring about here? You notice I couldn't help but to do an NFL in the to-do here. <clears throat> I just, ha- just had to do it, all right? Just had to do it, all right? So here's the end. Never... Quit telling your story. Never quit telling your story. Amen. 
Oh, we have a story to tell. We are changed and we have hope. And our lives are different because of what Jesus has done. We have a story to tell. How he saved us and changed us. But also how he has walked with us. Amen. How he has been with us through, through thick and thin. He has been there to guide us and to guard us and to help us. And to give us strength and to help us to be comforted in times of loss. What a story of a wonderful Savior. We have a story to tell. Never quit telling your story. The question then for you today is to ask, do you even have that story? Do you know this Jesus? Because I'm here to tell you and assure you that he is calling out for you to also be changed. He meets you right where you are and says to you, I can give you hope. We, we simply acknowledge that we're sinners in need of a Savior. We need him to change us. The blind man couldn't make himself see. A dead man can't make himself come alive. Only Jesus can do that, and that's where we are. We're spiritually blind and spiritually dead apart from Christ. We acknowledge we're sinners in need of a Savior. We turn from our sin and turn to Jesus. He enables us to do that even by faith, trusting him by faith that he is the Son of God who died on the cross and rose again bodily from the grave, professing him to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. It's a step of faith. If you've never trusted Jesus, know that he's calling you. You simply say, yes, Lord, I need you, and he will save you. So that's the end. Never quit telling your story. The F is find at least one person this week or in the next couple of weeks and tell them your story. Now, you, that can be somebody who doesn't know Jesus, but I would even say it could be somebody who does know Jesus. Maybe it could be a family member, because here's the thing. We need to get in the practice of telling our story. Amen? Just tell your story. You'll find, I, I, I meet with a couple of guys during the week uh, just to mentor them, and I have all kinds of stories about what the Lord has done in ministry. But I always find that it's interesting that when I tell the story of what Jesus has done, not only at salvation but throughout my life, that it always chokes me up to be reminded of the goodness of God to me and His grace that is so amazing. It's good to tell your story. Amen? So find at least one person this week or the next and tell them your story. And then here's the L. Live it out. Don't just talk about it, but live it. Live it out. Now here's the thing. We're still talking about a man's testimony that lived 2,000 years ago. Isn't that something? 2,000 years ago, this man was changed by a man named Jesus, and he was no longer blind, but now he sees. We're still talking about his testimony. And you know what's even more interesting is in the chapter before that, they're talking about Abraham and his testimony, the follower of God. And Abraham lived 2,000 years before this man. Isn't that something? Well, beloved, I doubt anybody's going to be talking about you in 2,000 years. And, you know, let's just be honest. Nobody's going to be talking about me in 2,000 years either. But they will talk about you tomorrow. Amen? And next week. They will talk about us because we all have a testimony. Because people watch you and they watch how you live. And here's the thing that we need to always keep in mind. And you, I know you put your Bibles away, but here's one more piece. Here's one more piece to, to, for you to write down. Your testimony will outlive you. Amen? At some point, we're, unless, the Lord ta- unless the Lord comes and we're raptured up in the next little bit, which I'm ready for that. 
If you pass away, when you pass away, your testimony will outlive you. And that's what we need to think about. I want to live my life in such a way that my testimony, even when I'm gone, still points people to Jesus. Amen? Be faithful with your testimony for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives today. Lord, we are so grateful for your awesome grace, your amazing grace that has set us free, that has given us hope. And we pray, Lord, that you'd be with us today and throughout our lives until you call us home, that we may not only tell the story of our testimony, being faithful with our testimony for your glory as we tell it, but also, Father, as we live it out daily in front of other people. Lord, how we praise you for changing us. Lord, we're never going to be the same again. Praise God for what you have done. We praise you and bless your holy name for our salvation, for the hope that's ours in you. And we pray, Lord, that that would just bubble out from within each and every one of us to the people that we talk to and the people we come in contact with so the people will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a person who met a man named Jesus and who has never been the same since. Oh, praise your name. Lord, now as we come to this time of invitation, if we need to recommit our hearts to you, to surrender fresh to you, whatever you're dealing with us about, maybe to come and just pray with Pastor Andy or myself, or come and pray silently. Lord, may you work in all of our hearts. We yield our hearts and lives to you to be the people of God that you want us to be. Not only on Sunday mornings, but every single day we live. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing Grace Greater Than Our Sin.